This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport 2, myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, The Boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing and your MMA, then this is the show for you. Find out extra with myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis, where we discuss all the latest from the world of combat sports. Today, we're going to recap a disappointing night for Josh Warrington, who suffered defeat in front of his adoring home fans and leads, Luis Alberto Lopez. We are going to hear from him, too, about what could be next. He stole talk sport. He still has aspirations to head to America despite the loss. We'll also round up the best of the action from the state side. Uh, Terence Crawford with a stunning KO of David Avenician. Tifima Lopez laboured to a win over Sandor Martin. Elsewhere, we're going to hear from the Gypsy King Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk's manager, Igas Klimas, both of whom have spoken to TalkSport of when we can expect to see an undisputed title fight. And we're going to round up UFC 282, a night to forget for Darren <laughs> Till now. Um, yeah, really not on a good run at the moment. And a controversial win for Paddy Pimlet off the back of a controversial week for the Liverpudlian. This is Final Extra. And the new RBF featherweight champion of the world, Luis Alberto Evanado Lopez. It's just frustration, frustration and, um, and, and annoyance because there's so much to come after this fight. I kind of put internal pressure on myself. Taking it up the gears. Nice. Oh! I don't understand that anyone thinks it was close. I easily won the first two rounds, and then the third round, I, t- I coasted because my ankle was very, very sore. My ankle. I don't understand. People, th- people just don't like me, lad. You know what I mean? People just want to score a fight against me. I, I'm a nice guy. You know what I mean? Why the? Why? Why does everyone hate me? All right, Gareth. How are you, my man? I'm really well. I brilliantly summed up there, Addy. A massively busy weekend. Uh, for boxing and mixed martial arts. I'm one of 
mixed fortunes for different people and uh, it's kind of a we come to a very fascinating juncture at the end of 2022 and mm. I'm, I've got to say the more that 2022 goes on in fight sport terms the more I'm looking forward to the year being over yeah, yeah. Honestly, we, we've had a, a weird end to the year, and I think almost like the boxers almost just want to press the reset button as well and get going. Let's start with Josh Warrington. Um, it's unfortunate for Josh Warrington. You, you think of sort of the big upset that was sort of the start of 2022 when he lost to Mauricio Lara. Um, sorry, start of 2021. Apologies when he lost to Mauricio Lara, and now he ends 2022 with not the same sort of biggest upset, but it's an upset nonetheless to Luis Alberto Lopez. Um, what, what does Josh do from here on, do you think? Um, look, let me, let me say, first of all, that this was a very difficult fight for Warrington stylistically. Yeah. Um, it was style to make fights. And this was one that was, we said it last week. I said it to you last week on the show. I watched uh, Lopez against Isaac Lowe at Bethnal Green. Uh, it's a few months back now. Mm. It might have been earlier in the year. And I thought, that guy is a tricky opponent for anyone. He's very unorthodox. Um, he's very smart. He's very aware. And he's tough. And he's got his own style. Very difficult guy to prepare for. Mm -hmm. And Josh Warrington is very traditional, isn't he? Um, and he wears you down slowly. Lopez got the best of the early rounds. I had him um, probably 6-2 up after 8. Yep, agreed, um, agreed. Great shot, yeah. And then Josh came on strong and does what Josh does, and he got dirty, and he used his head, and he, he punched to the hips, and he did everything he should have been doing, what you and I would have done, because you had to go into desperation mode at that point. And you and I are very dirty when it doesn't go our way. We're just <laughs> those kind of guys, aren't we, Eddie? You know? We, we, we um, do like a fight. You've got to have a fight now and again. Yeah, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going down. You've got to nail me to get me to, to finish me, yeah? Mm. I'm going to give everything I've got. And he gave everything he got. You could have argued that it was a draw, six rounds to six. I scored it 7-5 for Lopez. Josh did too little too late. Um, and in the end, he was chasing the fight. And Lopez fiddled his way and was really hurt at the end of that fight. You were mm. in the arena. I wasn't there. Mm -hmm. I was watching your brilliant broadcasting from here. Appreciate that. Um, Thank you. And, and, and I, was, I was at home for, for a night, for a change, and watching all the fights and watching all the action from back here. Um, and, you know, my master board was telling me, you know, watching it so closely that he probably didn't deserve to win. He might have deserved a draw. Um, but stylistically, that guy was a problem for him. I think... Conlon's a great fight for him, Michael Conlon. Good shout. I still think um, Lee Wood's a fantastic fight for him, but he won't get those unifications. Well, he doesn't hold a belt, but there's no point doing a rematch, I don't think, with Lopez. I think Josh has probably, to answer your question, has probably only got maybe two, maybe three fights left in him max. I've known Josh a really long time, and I know he wants an America fight, whether it be Madison Square Garden uh, or Las Vegas, and he wants to take his fans with him. There's a very good fight with him with for, with Lee Wood. That's you know Nottingham versus Leeds. That will make him money. That will allow him to buy a couple more properties in his hometown of Leeds. I think Eddie's got Eddie Hearn, his promoter. Eddie has got so many fights and fighters in America and, and Latin America that they might come up with someone we're not thinking about at the moment and get Josh a fight over there. 
uh, in America where the fans will be able to travel. He may not even be the main event. He might be the supporting act. Mm. And then come back and fight Lee Wood. That's what I think should happen for him. Yeah, look, I mean, Josh has come out, he, he, and we're going to hear from Josh a bit later. He said, look, I'll go on the Canelo undercard. Like, put me on against yeah. anyone on a Canelo yeah. undercard. And look, we know Canelo must know a number of Mexicans in and around the feather and super featherweight that will challenge Josh. So maybe he is that just to have that American card. One thing I will say before we move on, that we're going to talk Josh a bit more later, is that I'm happy that the scorecard went to the away fighter like. We, we've seen a few dodgy decisions, I think it's fair to say, over here in the last few years. And when it went 114-114, I, I was expecting it to go to Josh. So it was happy that it went the other way because I don't want fighters to not want to come over here because they think they're not going to get a fair shake. So it was good to see it go uh, Luis Alberto Lopez's way. Um, again, we'll talk about Josh a bit more later on the show. Let, let's talk about Terence Crawford, uh, the Mr. Mr. Omaha, Nebraska, uh, getting the knockout victory. And it was a beautiful knockout over David Avenician. I mean, I did a preview video on my own sort of YouTube channel and I said, look, Terence gives you a chance, but he has so many gears and so many tools that he's just going to find a way. And Avenician, I think, done himself proud, but in the end, he's taken on the pound for pound number one in the world in so many people's eyes and it was always going to be difficult. There are lots of world champions, 75-odd of them, something like that at the moment. Um, more if you count the women. But when you look at Terence Crawford, when you look at David Avanesian, a Russian-Armenian, with a chin hewn from granite, yeah, who no one has been able to budge for his career, and he's a very strong, late 20s, 30-year-old man, I think he's about 30. Um, what you have when Terence Crawford popped him in the sixth round with an uppercut and a, and a hook and just put him to sleep, it's because the shortness of the punches the accuracy of Crawford, the absolute focus in the office. I've got to say after that performance, if you are picking out a guy who is world-class, who is the elite class, I'm kind of putting him pound for pound number one in the world right now after that performance on Saturday night. Because Avanesian came to win as well. Um, and I draw that analogy with football because my word, more and more and more, I think we should be taking... Crawford seriously as a truly gifted fighter in this era and it makes me even more pleased that he has Shaka Stevenson the smaller man training in his shadow um, because these two fellas Addy they're so special and the next time I go into I go to America I'm going to their gym and I'm going to spend a week around those guys because we need to treasure them yeah, no, look, um, I completely agree with you with regards to uh, Terence Crawford. We are looking at something special. It's a shame that he's 35 and it's a shame that maybe the CV um, is a bit thin. It's, it's so difficult for me to, and I want to because I'm a massive fan of his. Just, I, I almost like his dry sense of humour as well. But there's, there's a, it's a, I can't give him the pound for pound number one state. It's just because, I mean, there's people like Dimitri Bivol's just beating Canelo and an unbeat on Gilberto Ramirez. That, that's... That, that's much more than David Avenesian. Do you know what I mean? That's the only reason yeah. I can't. But you're right. I mean, he is a treasure and it would be amazing. Honestly, you should if you're going to go there, do some behind-the-scenes footage and see him and Shakur Stevenson in the same gym and talking to each other. I think it could be fascinating. A quick word. Well, uh, well, Addy, when I want you as my editor, I'll let you know. That's OK. I don't know if you, yeah, my rate's quite high, but we'll, we'll work something out. Uh, Tiafimo Lopez um, struggled against Sandor Martin. I think you might have seen, everyone's seen it now, the footage of him after the fight saying, have I still got it? Like, he almost questioned himself. Was he too hard on himself? Are we underrating Sandor Martin? Or, or rightly, is there something not quite right with Tiafimo? 
Uh, no, I think he's... Look, he, I, I, I think he's gone up a weight division. He was very powerful in the weight division he was. Sandor Martin is a very tough guy. You know, he comes out of that same Spanish... He's a Spaniard, isn't he? You yeah. know, he's, he came, comes out of that same Catalonian uh, union uh, and power base in Spain as Germán Herman Lezarraga um, and others who've come out of that area. Of course, um, look... You look at you look at um, Martin's Martin's record. He had that win over Mikey Garcia re- recently. Looked good against Jose Felix Junior. Un- unanimous decision. Um, he's a very very tough guy, <clears throat> and this would have felt like a world uh, title, not an international uh, title for him. Tiafimo's gone up. And he's at light welterweight or super lightweight now. And, it, you know, it's a new class for him. Mm. He's got to fight the likes of Josh Taylor and Regis Progre and, um, and and Jack Catterall and all these other guys. It's a different division. Yeah, It's a big move from lightweight to light welter. They're bigger men. There's no question about it. Um, and Tio has been a bull in a china shop in recent performances. And he might just to re- have to reestablish himself because he had an amazing run. I mean, you think about that run he had. Addy and, and was like, you know, up until George Kambosos Jr., you know, he'd beaten Vasily Lomachenko, he'd, he'd knocked out Richard Comey in two rounds, very tough guy, um, you know, knocked out Edis Tatley, De- Diego Maddaleno had been a knockout win. He'd gone kind of five, six fights at world um, level. All right, Nakatani was a unanimous decision. Um, but, you know, he was, he was, eating people for breakfast, eating them up. And I think he came up against, you know, someone difficult in Cambos. It just changed his mind. He's gone up a division and it's a bit different. And he's, he's up, he's not bigger anymore. He's not the bully in there anymore. He's got to rely on his boxing skills more. I don't think it was that bad a performance on Saturday night. He labored a little bit, but, but so what, you know, he's not, He's not Shaka Stevenson or Terence Crawford. He's a different style of fighter. He's a rugged, aggressive counterpuncher. Um, so he's going to come unstuck sometimes against the odd guy, and that's it. Yeah, that that is all it is, I, and I agree. I think um, I think he's too hard on himself. I think Sandor Martin is a good fighter. I was there for that Jose Felix fight in in, um, in Spain, and he's a very good European champion. That's a world yeah. level. Yeah. Um, super, super lightweight. So look, I've, I, I agree. I, I think he's a bit too harsh on himself and we'll see what 2023 offers for Tiafimo Lopez. All right, you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we're going to hear from Tyson Fury and the manager of Alexander Usyk, both of whom have been speaking to TalkSport. We're going to be chatting UFC 282, a difficult night for Darren Till. Also, Paddy Pimlet picking up what was 100% for me a controversial decision. But next up, though, we are going to hear from Josh Warrington, who has told TalkSport he will fight on despite that defeat to Luis Alberto Lopez at the weekend. Has it been enough? He's only did it on. He thinks he's done enough. Lopez thinks he's done enough. What a fight. What a night. So, so close. Which way has it gone? Ladies and gentlemen, after 12 rounds of action here in Leeds, we go to the judges' scorecards. Mike Fitzgerald and Adam Hyde both scored this bout 115 to 113. For your winner, by majority decision, and the new IBM featherweight champion of the world, 
Welcome back to Final Extra. Myself, Adi Oladipo and Gareth A. Davis. Oh, let's talk about Josh Warrington, who's told TalkSport he will fight on despite a defeat to Luis Alberto Lopez on Saturday night. The Leeds fighter was on the wrong end of a decision in front of a packed-out home crowd, but was unable to get the job done. He spoke with Jim White on TalkSport and was asked what he plans from here. It's just frustration. Frustration and, um, and, and annoyance because there's so much to come after this fight. I kind of put internal pressure on myself. I know the, the kid was going to start quickly, but it was like I were, I was too anxious at the start, being too cautious, being too cautious about my jaw. And then um, when I finally started getting into it, it was, um, you know, halfway through. You know, even though I felt I'd done enough to snatch it, the frustration comes with if I'd have started a little bit quicker, then, you know, I'd definitely walked away with it. But... Um, it's all hindsight, isn't it, Jim? And uh, and obviously, I've just got to live with it. You got to live with it. What can you tell your supporters listening and talk sport? Are you going to carry on? Yeah, I'm. I'm going to carry on. I'm going to carry on and enjoy Christmas. And I think the thing what I'm going to do is get back in the gym straight away. Um, I, you know, I plan on just getting fat. <laughs> but um, I think I'm just getting in the gym straight away because at this moment in time, I just feel like. Uh, I'd do myself injustice if I were just to uh, walk away from it like this. Especially, I was started off, like I say, but compared to how I finished, there were plenty left in the tag. So, um, pick up straight away. I know that we can come back even stronger. I know you had big plans to go stateside after this. Had it all gone well? Do you still have those plans? I don't see no reason why not. You know, but now, people might not look at me as... Um, yeah, that could be a risky, big unification fight. But they might say, well, he's still a name. He's still got a fan base. Let's just have him as an opponent. You know, let's just have him as a, as a voluntary opponent because he could look good on our record. And uh, they may look at me as thinking uh, it might be a steady fight to have. So the options still could be open there. And plus, there's big fights what take place in the States without belts as well. So... Um, the stickers on somebody's undercard, like a, a Canelo undercard, and uh, I don't see why we can't fight over there. And um, obviously, we're going to take the spot with us as well to, you know, cover any expenses. One other one that was mentioned, Josh, as you know, was Lee Wood, maybe in Nottingham. Yeah. Is that a possibility? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, if, if Lee wanted it, I'd be grateful for the opportunity. I'd have had to still have the belt. You know, you've got more of um, a bargaining towel now without the belt. It's, it's, it's his decision, but domestically, it's, it's a massive fight for 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 the UK for Britain. I've gone from the driving seat to now the B side, so I'm I'm kind of he's got the call. But no, if, if, if he wants it, then I'm, I'd be more than happy to take that one. Josh, what do you want to say then to your many fans who are in touch with us today here at Talk Sport? I just want to say like a massive, massive thank you. They've been phenomenal. Throughout the years, and you know, I'm talking like that, that. You know, that's that's the last time. But you know, the weekend it was the 12th time at Leeds Arena. I was at the weekend matchrooms um, only male world champion, and I think the the longest reigning who's been filling out these big shows. You know, take away, I don't think even AJ's been doing it as long as as myself. You know, before he went to Wembley and all that. That Leeds Arena has been absolutely fantastic, and the people have turned out for many, 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 many years. Paid around and cash. But more importantly, give me their time. And I'm forever indebted and forever grateful for that. So I, I do apologise. I wasn't able to get the uh, the W on the weekend. 
but thank you so much for the support that you've you've given me at the arena. Josh Warrington there speaking to Jim White. Um, look, you know, one thing about Josh, which I really love as well, he's not going to hide in. Uh, I know a lot of fighters after a defeat like that, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a brutal defeat. It wasn't like he was knocked out, but they, they do disappear. They want to get their mind right. Josh was like, you know what? No, we're okay. We're going to take that defeat on the chin. We're going to have a little break, and then we're going to get straight back to it. And what I did like as well is that he now accepts that he will be in his next fight, the B-side fighter. Yes, he pulls a crowd wherever he goes, but he's going to be the B-side fighter, and he's willing to accept that as well. Um, look, we, we spoke at the top potentially about what next for Josh. Put your manager hat on if you can, Gareth, for a couple of minutes. What would you do next for Josh? What makes perfect sense now for a man that's had what two defeats out of his last four fights, obviously one being a draw in there as well. What would you do next? Well, what I'd do is I'd, I'd take him to... Look, Luis Lopez was the number one challenger, remember? So he might yeah. take the rematch. They could take it to America on an Eddie Hearn card. I mean, top I don't... Ranked, Top-ranked fighter, though. It's going to be difficult, at Lopez. Yeah, but if they pay him enough, they, yeah. can, they can do it. They've got the funds to do it. I know True. he's a top-ranked fighter, but what they could do is they could say... Look, we'll do the rematch. Can we have the rematch on, on one of our cards? Can we have it in Vegas? Um, top rank and DAZN can do a deal. Um, and he get and the key is for Josh as well. He wants 5,000 of his fans to travel over with him to America. So that's a possibility, that kind of scenario. Or Hearn could release him from contract. He could fight on a top rank card at Pearl at the, per, Pearl at the Palms. or mm, Yeah, uh, true. That could be a... T-Mobile Arena, it could be, you know, the, the, the um, I don't think it's called the um, Hard Rock Hotel anymore, but they've got a great, I've been to some events there, some fight nights there in in the Hard Rock Hotel. It's called something else. It might be the Virgin Hotel now. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, it could be that kind of fight. And if it gets his fans over, you know, um, it's, it, it could work for him. Um, but I think that's what they have to look at. And there's the Lee Wood fight there. And it'll always work. But I think what disappointed me more than ever, and it's not a criticism of Josh on Saturday night, is um, that, that, that he seemed to do route one fighting and that there was a lack of versatility against a very awkward, tricky opponent, ultimately. And it, it, I, I wasn't that impressed with Lopez, if I'm honest, Daddy, either. No, you know, you know, I'm very happy you said that, Gareth. And it's not a critique of Josh. I mean, look, we are broadcasters. You are a seasoned journalist. We're able and allowed to give our opinions. And, and I agree with that. Look, Josh is a fantastic fighter. But Josh, when I've watched him now, and I've been lucky enough to go to a few of his fights, it is one way. It's one way. Um, and it's, it's ferocious and credit to him. You know, he will dig deep. But sometimes you want to see maybe a bit of a something different. Because Lopez isn't the best fighter Josh has ever fought. Maybe no. a feint, maybe a, a try, a couple of jabs, maybe. Um, it just didn't look like Josh had much of a, a, a B, you know, a B plan there, a B game. Nothing. It was almost a case of we're going to do it this way, and in the end, that way nearly got him a draw. But I think if he tried to mix it up just a little bit more, yeah. he would have exposed yeah. Lopez for what I think Lopez is. I think someone, I think any any of the champions out there are going to take that belt from Lopez, even a non-champion, because he, he's tough. Lopez. He ain't that good. Honestly, no, he ain't that good. Yeah, with full respect to Josh Warrington and Luis Lopez, it was a really frustrating fight to watch. Mm. It was a horrible clash of styles in the end. And unfortunately, Luis Lopez's horrible style won the day just. And that's what happened. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I do think it should have been... 
what, what I do think should have happened, and this would have caused all kinds of mayhem, was that, um, I'm trying to remember the referee now, it was... It was Bob Williams. Bob Williams, yeah. It yeah. was Bob Williams. Bob warned Lopez very seriously about holding in the 11th. He did. Yeah, I think it was. And he kept holding and he never took a point away. If he'd taken the point away, it'd have been a majority draw, I believe. Yeah. You know what, though? I spoke to Bob after. Um, stayed in the same, same hotel. Um, we had a drink and I said, that was interesting. I said, Eddie Hearn standed up and screamed about that. Like the holding, the holding. Yeah. And I said, if you were to have taken a point away, it would have been a draw. Yeah. across the board and he was like he didn't think it was enough holding from Lopez but and, and I guess it would have been very very controversial considering very. that you know Josh Warrington with the head butts if he were then to have taken a yeah. point away from Lopez it would have been let's just say social media and the boxing world wouldn't have been happy no it would have gone oh, it would have gone apoplectic <laughs> yeah yeah that's the word um, indeed it would have, the, the, the comments it would have melted oh mate yeah. it, it really but, would have um, but, away from Josh, a co-main event, a lady I know that you, we're both going to catch up with later, Ebony Bridges, uh, got the victory over Shannon O'Connor. And look, what I will say about Ebony, and I was just telling Tom this as well, Tom Gray, um, what she lacks in boxing ability, she really, really makes up for it in just tenacity, sheer will to win. Her engine's incredible, by the way. It's actually insane. Like, she will go for the full two minutes. There isn't a breather in that two minute. She's strong, she's gutsy, and a credit to her. Like, the Ebony Bridges that we saw come over and fight Shannon, Shannon Courtney, what, a year and a half ago, she would absolutely destroy that version of Ebony Bridges. She's so much better under Mark Tibbs than I thought she ever could be. Yeah, she is. She's a little savage, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, she's 120, what, she's 122 pounds savage. Yep. So, you know, I mean, she's a tiny little thing. She's got amazing energy. I mean, people rag me out. They still rag me about... They got me wrong about a comment I made. She's as different... The Muhammad Ali comment. Yeah, as as Muhammad Ali was in, in men's boxing. Different, I mean, in terms of personality and what he brought to it. He was different, a free spirit. That's my comparison. I stick by it. She's one of the most different women we've ever seen box. She's a mathematics high school teacher. She's, I mean... <laughs> She's like a stripper in the way in. She looks like she strips down. And there's one reason why she does. I don't mean a stripper. I want to recant that. She strips down in the way in because she's done it for years as a bodybuilder and yeah. as a bodybuilder. Yes, yes. Um, so she's she's both, used to that. She, the way she poses, she's done that before. That's not, she, that's new, that's not new to her. She, you and I both know her person. I get on very well with Ebony. Um... Gave her a lot of advice when she first came about, you know, don't use the F-bomb all the time. And she stopped doing that now and tried to guide her a little bit because she definitely got something very special. She's a little terror in the ring. She's a little savage, yeah? And she just gives it all. And it was, a fin it was, you know, I sat here watching it with friends and while writing, and they loved it. They absolutely loved the fight. She entertains. Um, she's very different. Uh, you know, she's she's got these, she does these weird unions at the moment, fans only and this, that and the other. She's making a career for herself at a time when women's boxing's growing. And she's becoming one of the big characters in the sport. She's got a big social media following. Hats off to her. And she delivered on Saturday night. No, she, she certainly did. And look, it's going to be big fights for her in... 
2023, whether it be Nina Hughes and the unification, Shannon Courtney yeah. potentially as well. So, yeah, honestly, I agree. Well done to her and the journey she's had in UK boxing since coming over from Australia. All right, you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we're going to chat some UFC. We're going to look back on UFC 282. Paddy Pimlet and Darren Till both in action. Next up, though, we are going to hear from the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, who popped into the TalkSport studios last week to discuss a potential fight with Alexander Usyk in the new year. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When both fighters are willing, it's pretty easy to make a fight, and, and Usek seems to be willing. He was ringside, he got in, on the ring apron, he didn't say much. No. He just looked at me, ugly little man he is. <laughs> Scary, actually, how ugly he is, but still. Um, what was exciting was that Joe Joyce got on the ringside as well. Yes. He was like, I want some of this action. We've been talking to Wisborough Promotions about the, that fight before. I'm talking to the top rank. As we speak, this morning we had a conference call. All of us uh, got together and uh, we are almost done, I wanted to say. It's not much to talk. Two heavyweights, best in the sports today, undisputed heavyweight, championship bout. That's what people need. That's what the fans need. Welcome back to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adi Oladipo, the great Gareth A. Davis. Uh, Tyson Fury says he will not underestimate Alexander Usyk despite claims that he's too small to beat him. Fury also added that Usyk had an opportunity to fight him in Wembley last week, but the Ukrainians team were adamant for a date in the new year. Tyson Fury says he hopes he's a man of his word. Let's listen in now to Tyson Fury's appearance on TalkSport last week. Usyk was offered the fight instead of Derek Chisora for December, and they said no. So they said, oh, we're going to wait till next year. So we'll see. We'll see how good the man's word is. Yeah. yeah. Mm. He's been undisputed cruiserweight champion. He's fought Joshua twice. I think he's had, what, four fights heavyweight now? So, yeah, we'll see. I think I think he's willing. He looks willing. I would like to think that there's not a man born yet that can beat me in my own era, for sure. But, you know, you can never underestimate anybody. I trained so hard for Derek, even though I've beaten him twice before. Mm. I put a nine-week camp in. I was um, I was celibate for, for seven weeks for Derek Chisora. That's how much I respected him as an opponent. And I trained really hard for him. And it was like, everyone was saying, well, you've already beat the guy. Why are you doing all this sacrifice? I'm like, I'm making sure that he don't beat me in the third one. So even though that I'm a lot taller than this guy and I outweigh him by two or three stone, I would give him the utmost respect as, as a, a proper opponent for me. 
Passing Fury there um, with the TalkSport Breakfast team. Very confident, as he should be, right? The number one heavyweight on the planet. And, and hopefully we are nearing this undisputed fight. And look, there's a discussion about the IBF belt, but hopefully we are nearing this fight with Alexander Usyk. Alexander Usyk, to be fair to him, has always said he wanted to fight in the new year. Like He, he never came out and said, I'd, I'd fight you next. It was always the new year for him. And I think it's fair to say Alexander Usyk will fight anyone, anywhere. I mean, his record tells me that. And if it is Tyson Fury next, I think the fans are in for something special in 2023. I mean, I can't w- take all my money now for that fight. Honestly, wherever it is in the world, I'm going to be there because I think that's going to be something special, Gareth. It is. Um, but I think what we need at the moment is all well and good Bob Arum and Frank Warren saying, um, you know, the fight's going to move ahead this week and Middle East and all well and good Egis Klima saying that and Alexander Krasiuk. Uh, on Alexander Usyk's side, but we need to hear from the Middle East. We need we need to hear that they are putting up the money and that they are going ahead with it. Qatar is in a different region where the World Cup's going on to where we expect the boxing to be. So we need something to come out uh, from the Middle East. I mean, I'm digging around at the moment trying to get something because it's 10 days uh, now since the Fury uh, Chisora fight, and mm-hmm. they said you know, within a couple of weeks. And so we need a bit, little bit of meat on the bone, a little bit of clanking of the chains to get some uh, resonance for, for well, what is going to happen in 2023, and which I believe will be one of the biggest years in boxing. I'm coming out and saying this right now, Addy, one of the biggest years in boxing we've had for a very, very long time. Yeah, you talk about meat on the bones here. Let's hear it now from Usyk's manager, Igus Klimas. He also spoke with TalkSport and says the fight is likely to take place in March next year. Yes, Jim, definitely. We've been in negotiation even before the fight. That's why we showed up to the fight. We were invited. We were treated very nice by the Queensboro. Amazing, amazing fans in the UK. We love UK fans. I couldn't believe that somebody told me what the fight is going to be in a stadium December 3 in London. I was flipped out. And I said, they, they're not going to get, get the people. And 60,000 people was sold. Atmosphere in our stadium, it was amazing. And I mean, we've been talking to Queensborough Promotions about that fight before. I am talking with the top rank. As we speak, this morning we had a conference call. All of us uh, got together and uh, we are almost done, I wanted to say. It's not much to talk. Two heavyweights, best in the sports today undisputed heavyweight championship bout. That's what people need. That's what the fans need. Alexander Usyk's manager there, uh, Igus Klimas, um, speaking to Talk Sports, and the fight is likely to happen in March. Um, is that wishful thinking? I mean, Tyson Fury at the end of that, uh, and you were there, end of the, the Chisora fight, spoke about having to have surgery uh, on, on his hand, which I don't know, what does that leave him out for another six to seven weeks? Uh, uh, is it wishful thinking that he will return back to the gym so soon after surgery and then be in physical shape to have a fight against Alexander Usyk? Are we not really looking at sort of April or May? Yeah, maybe. But I mean, we, but, but, but we need a date. It's mm. as simple as that. We know that, um, I think it's his elbow rather than his hand. By oh, okay, the way. yeah, okay. Yeah, but I'm led to believe. I, um, I may be wrong, but that's, I had that conversation with Fury myself and he said elbow. I'm pretty sure it might be his hand as well. It may be something I don't know. Um, but um, 
I think that it's more exploratory than anything. I think it's just niggling him in camp. It's it's also maybe like a floating a, piece of bone or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Just a you know a, a bit of chip bone or whatever it is. Um, and you know he's thirty five next year, so he he is starting to have wear and tear on his body, Eddie. It's 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 not unusual um, for that to happen. So yes, if it is if it's April and May, fine, but. Let, let's get it over the line. Let's know when it is. Let's see when we're working towards it. Because if we leave it too long, Alexander Usyk's been out for too long yeah. uh, with, with, without a fight. Um, you know, because it's interesting, the, the year's stacking up at the moment. There's two axes. It looks like Fury is looking at Alexander Usyk and maybe Joe Joyce if he wins. And, and, and Anthony Joshua... Um, and it looks like Eddie Hearn's given away, gave away on Saturday night to, to an interview. O2 Arena, it looks like Anthony Joshua's going to fight. We haven't got the date. And it looks like maybe it's Dillian White for him and Deontay Wilder next year. Yeah. He's kind of converging. Or, or sorry, um, the, the um, two axes going away from each other. So, um, And also, fascinating that Eddie Hearn talking about who's got the better resume. I think he brought he brings this up once a year, doesn't he? Who's got the better resume, Anthony Joshua uh, or Tyson Fury? And he thinks it's clearly uh, Anthony Joshua. I don't when know he, when he says AJ, and you can confirm this before we have this little debate, when he says AJ is, is the better resume, is he talking win or losses or is he just fights? No, he's talking... He's talking about... wins. No, he's talking about better resume. Well, I mean... If, if it's fights, I, I think he's right. If it's who AJ's actually been in the ring with, I think AJ has a better resume than Tyson Fury. I, I'll take AJ's over Fury's. But if, if we're talking what, just... he's been in the ring with Alexander Usyk and lost twice? That's what I'm trying to say. If, if, yeah, but is it, this is the thing. The losses don't help him. But I'm trying to say, if it's just who you've been in the ring with, then I, I, I'd have AJ. I, I, I think AJ's resume is a bit more solid than Tyson Fury's. You know, is it is it is it, is a loss uh, a success or a fail? A failure. Yeah. So they they don't count in your. <laughs> you, you can't say, well, I did nineteen business deals and seventeen of them uh, lost me twenty five million pounds, but I made. No, no, no. Uh, it's, like, it's slightly different in boxing, isn't it? Because no, it's slightly different in boxing. You know this, Gareth. You, you're more of a boxing man than I am, but at least we're getting. We we don't see these fights. For us, the argument has been get in the ring and have these fights. Let's see. And if the best are sure. fighting the best, and that's what we've always asked for, you're gonna lose. The greatest have lost. Yeah. If the best are fighting the best, it's fine. If he's getting hammered by the best, and I don't mean to be disrespectful here when I say like Chisora, for example, if he's losing like that, getting stopped and knocked out, then okay, yeah, you're right. Then it's you, you could have 30 losses. A Rosado, for example, that doesn't count. But if you're fighting the best and you're competitive, then you're, you're going to lose. Someone's going to lose. Yeah, I, I, I think for me, Tyson Fury's got the better resume, regardless of who either of them have fought. Because... Yeah. Um, I, I say this because I, I, I'm doing I'm doing the I'm doing the lineal now. Mm. Um, I, I I think remember Joshua was a big favourite to beat Usyk before they fought. Do you remember that? By the way, N not in bookies' eyes, but not in boxing people's eyes. No, no we yeah no, no exactly. Yeah. Usyk and, and 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 Fury are always going to be Joshua's trickiest trickiest opponents in yeah. the division. Yeah, no so, matter what. Yeah, Deontay Wilder cannot be bad. Tyson Fury dismantled and made him idealless. 2015 in Dusseldorf. Dismantled who? Vladimir Klitschko. No, he didn't dismantle him. 
He did. No, no. He dismantled. No, no, he dismantled. No. I don't, I'm not saying he beat him up, but what I'm saying is he dismantled a technique mm. that had allowed that guy to be heavyweight champion of the world for nine and a half years. Mm. Yeah. Agreed. And and he did not have a clue against Fury. He did not know how to throw the right hand lead without throwing his jab. Fury out jabbed him, outmaneuvered him, was too big for him, too clever for him and exposed him as an aging champion. But that's what Fury, that's the style that Fury's got to do. Like AJ that's could never do that. AJ's a wrecking machine. So AJ, been. if AJ's going to beat Klitschko, he has to knock him out. And that's what AJ did. So AJ beat him the way AJ could beat him. Fury beat him the way Fury could beat him. Yeah, but Klitschko was 40 then. Yeah. It was yeah. a 38 and a half against, against Fury. He look, he's, he's in fantastic shape. You know when people say that 40 thing, I agree, that's his age, but he's not 40. I mean, there's 40, like me and you know 40, and then there's Vladimir Klitschko 40. That yeah. guy is the best specimen of yeah. boxing athlete I think I've ever seen. Yeah. He is incredible. So when people say he's 40, he's like 30-year-olds now. Yeah, he is. But, but I think... Look, <laughs> we need, we need to be in the studio together to do this one. I know. Look, let, let me just. This is a half an hour show. Go on. Tyson Fury versus Dillian White. We know what happens. Tyson Fury versus Charles Martin. Oh, my word. Tyson Fury versus Dominic Brazil. Oh, my word. Tyson Fury versus Eric Molina. Tyson Fury versus Vladimir Klitschko. Right. So just wipe all those out. Yeah. Mm. Right. Tyson Fury against Carlos Tech. Well, we, well, no, we can't do that. I, I'm not having that. I'm sorry. Can't just do, do, really you can't think? just do it. I, I saw Steve Cunningham put it on his backside. I just can't just wipe them out, wipe them out, yeah, wipe them out. What did he do? He got, he got up, up and he beat them. And he beat yeah. the crap out of him. Yeah, but when you say wipe them out, it's not like we know it would have been easy work back then. He would have beaten them because he's, I agree, he's the number one. Ever, but I don't think he would have beaten them with, his, with one hand behind the back when I've seen a cruiserweight put them on his backside. Uh, I carry on. Carlos Takam, Joseph Parker, Alexander Povetkin, Andy Ruiz, Kubrat Pulev. Mm. Sorry. You know, and and then no, no, it's not. But the argument isn't whether or not Tyson Fury will beat them because we know that the argument is who's got the better resume, who's got the thicker resume. Uh, and in terms Deontay of Wilder, thickness, yeah, Deontay Wilder and 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 um, Klitschko. Klitschko. That's the, no, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. Mm. Two of the two of the two of the Wilder fights. Yeah, certainly two and three, yeah. and and the. Um, and the and well no one two and three and the Klitschko fight because he's got up four times against Wilder off the floor to beat him mm. you know um, which is which is astonishing yeah given that yeah. got a better resume he's, oh look no, if he loses to Alexander Usyk I think it's debatable I want I, I want to see you in person have this debate I want, I want a half an hour debate here I can't do it right now I've only got five minutes well, well I've got yeah, five seconds my producer said I got a rap well, call me an effing Uber and I'll get over there. <laughs> You could invite me round. Could invite me round next to the fireplace. We're going to have a proper debate about this. Glass of wine, we do this. All right. I'll get friends, I'll get an audience. <laughs> Let's do the audience of Gareth. Yeah, yeah, we you can get Eddie and Frank in as well. Let's tour. really debate this. Uh, in 2023, we are going on tour with an audience. I think we now. should do it. I think it'll be fascinating. It really would. Yeah. All right, you'll listen to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, we're going to switch gears and talk MMA, a mixed night for British stars Darren Till and Paddy Pimlet. Especially the way I talk, and I'm not going to lie, I expected to finish him. But give uh, Jared Gordon his due. I, 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 just, I don't know, you know what I mean? People just like to hate on me. 29 now. I've been at the top of the sport since 2017. I'm not retiring, this is not a retirement speech. 
um, 29. That would be stupid to decide, but I'm on a bit of a losing skid at the moment. I really am. I just want to say to everyone there, whether you love me or hate me, I'm sorry. Welcome back. You're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Myself, Adi Ladipo and the great Gareth Faye Davis. So let's switch our attention now uh, to UFC. Um, UFC 282 was in the weekend. The, the big talking point about UFC 282 was Paddy Pimlet in that controversial and highly favourable decision. But before that, it's been been an interesting week for Paddy Pimlet, uh, Gareth. Obviously, you probably would have seen the back and forth with Ariel Hawani. He's now clearly in the good books of a certain Dana White who absolutely adores and loves him. Um, what do you make, before we get into that actual debate he had with, with, with Ariel Hawani, what do you make of Paddy Pimlet and this sort of meteoric rise that he's been on the last sort of 12 to 18 months? Well, I mean, I've used the 10-80-10 rule that John Jones and I talked about probably 10 years ago now. Uh, well, pretty much that that long ago. It might have been a, a bit later than that, but 10-80-10 rule is that 10% always love you, 10% always hate you, and the 80 in the middle swing with a pendulum. Um, I think after his last performance, when he gave the most amazing speech about a, f- a friend who... Yeah, had yeah. Had, the world was at his feet. And it's a very... Um, it's a very swing with a pendulum audience. They're very... They're very coquettish, uh, the UFC audience. You, you're a star, you're the hero one minute, and then you're a coward and an idiot the next. And I think it does swing like that. It's a very brutal world. And, you know, when someone like with the personality of Paddy Pimlet, who's a cheeky chappy with his tongue in his cheek the whole time, who never takes life too seriously, who balloons in weight between fights, who's about, you know, about a pie and a cup of tea and... Is very brash in his way. Um, I think when things go wrong for you, they go wrong very badly. And when mm. they go right for you, they go very right for you. There's a lot of salutary tales of success and failure in the, in the UFC. And um, he's on the wrong end of it at the moment. It's a tough old game for him right now. He's, he, he didn't look like he won the other night, but he got, he got the decision. I, I think I've got it here somewhere. Yeah, he, um, he did get the decision. Um, yeah, he, he yeah. clearly didn't win. I've watched it, but he didn't win. No, no. Um, he lost that fight. I don't know if you agree with me. But... No, he did. He lost the fight. He, he lost the fight. Um, two rounds to one, three rounds yeah. to zero. Like, he, he lost the fight. Yeah. There's no way, no matter how you score, even if you're a big Paddy Pimlet fan, if you score it round for round, and that's yeah. kind of what you're supposed to be doing, taking damage, etc., ground control, he lost the fight. You know, I always like to see how a fighter sort of takes sort of newfound fame, not just fighters, anyone in general, how, how they handle fame as opposed to what they were before. And look, Paddy Pimlet's always been that cheeky chappy, but he's always been, I thought, just almost a, a lovable rogue. Like, you just, yeah. you kind of just like him because he's a funny guy. He's got the little Puddlian accent, the weird haircut, and you just take to him. I've started to see a shift. And it's difficult, right? Once money comes to you and fame comes to you, I, I think if you can navigate that circus, congratulations to you because it's difficult and many don't, but... Yeah, I know some people like Ariel and some don't. I, I'm a big fan of Ariel Hawani. And the attack on Ariel Hawani when he's sitting alongside Dana White and he's talking about Ariel and pointing fingers like, you know, you only get fighters on for money and you take money out of a fighter's pocket because you make money out of the interviews and this lie and that lie. And I'm like, one second. Wait a minute. And Ariel, I mean, if you're going to come for a journalist, make sure you got your facts straight because you journos... Remember everything. And Ariel literally just launched into this assault on Paddy Pimlet. And 
it was a 10-7 round for Ari, I'll put it that way. I mean, if you're Herb Dean, you stop the fight, you wave it off immediately because Ariel destroyed him. And I think Paddy Pimlet's come off looking really bad. And he might like this role as a heel. He might want to take that heel role. But I don't think it's a good thing to do, especially, and this is not a dig at him, especially if you're not that good a fighter yet for me. I mean, it's okay doing that kind of role when you're a Conor McGregor or even a Charles Sonnen. And I think, you know, sky's your limit. I'm not convinced about him as a fighter yet at the top echelon of the no. UFC. So if you want to take that high horse that you're doing right now and you lose, it can be a slippery slope very quickly. Yeah, you have to be careful about who you choose as your friends and who you choose as your enemies uh, in the slippery slope of snakes and ladders that the UFC world is. It's very Machiavellian. Well, very. Ju just to point out, first of all, Ariel and I have been very good friends for a very long time. Mm. You know, I, I, f I feel like an elder brother to him in, in journalism in lots of ways. And, you know, and um, he's been extraordinarily successful with pioneering mixed martial arts journalism. He, he's amazing, done an amazing job. And now that the shackles are off and he's freed from, he's got his own kind of canonical ownership of what he does. Mm. He's not within the broadcast sphere of the UFC. He's much more flagrant now in his in his assumptions of people and his honesty about what's going on. And yeah, he roasted Paddy Pimler. He destroyed him. <laughs> yeah, he did. It was difficult. Um, he, I mean, he, he submitted him. He knocked him out. He battered him around. He literally beat him up. If that was it, if they were in the cage together, he'd have beaten him up. It, like, you know, senseless. Mm. Um, that's what he did. And, and obviously he felt very hurt. Ariel has a, a very sharp edge when it comes to... Uh, dealings with around Dana White, obviously, because they don't get on it. At very, all. Very, yeah. very, very difficult relationship between the two men. And, you know, I've, I mean, I know Dana White as well, of course, and I've never had that with him. And Ariel, Ariel feels very hard done by in lots of ways. And, and you know, he, Ariel can be quite cruel in his own way as well, but he clearly brought out all his talons mm. for this one and stuck them all in Paddy because he felt. Um, hard done by in the way that he'd been handled. I think knowing Ariel, he does try to, sometimes he, he suffers from a little bit of schadenfreude where he does kind of, um, he's got that style, it's kind of Louis Theroux style where he kind of sits back and lets other people shoot themselves in the foot sometimes. But in, in another way, Ariel has a lot of great intentions towards a lot of the fights and loves what he, what he does. Mm. Um, they'll have to, They'll, they'll, it's part of the game. He'll get Paddy on at some point, and you know they'll they'll speak again. I'm sure. Hopefully but, they do, because again, in yeah, terms but, of characters yeah, in the UFC, yeah. there aren't that many. I mean, yeah, there used to be plenty, and Paddy's definitely one of them. So hopefully, look, I, I want him to have a long career because if he has a long career, it means bigger events over here in the UK because he's yeah. he's becoming the face of it. So hopefully, um, we no. do see a Paddy that I think does. <laughs> Does better in the octagon than he's doing right outside the octagon right now. Uh, very quickly, I want to touch on Darren Till. Uh, five defeats and six now for Darren, which is incredible when you think of when he was coming through as a 170 fighter and you think it was just inevitable that he was going to win a title. You Generally, I thought, I thought he was going to win a title. Like, he, he's got everything. He he was so much bigger than everyone, hence the nickname, the gorilla. He was just, it, it was perfect. Now, it's just not working out. He's obviously tried to go to Sweden and train with Hamzat Chimaev and obviously they're building up a really good relationship outside you know he's left the family alone and everything and that's not worked out and he spoke on social media he left a message on social media that he's going to take a little break 
from MMA and I can understand why because right now it's just not working. I, you know, I was watching his fight and it's funny, he was a big 170. He's just the normal size 185. Like, like maybe he needs to squeeze back down to 170. I'm not quite sure what he does, but nothing seems to be working for him right now. And he's, he's actually quite lucky he's not been cut. Like five defeats in six. We know what Dana's like. You lose two or three in a row, you're gone. Five defeats no, in six, he's quite fortunate. It used to be like that. It's not so much like that anymore. That's that's the old school way. It was three defeats and you were out normally. But that was when they had 190 fighters. They've got thousands and thousands of fighters now. And, um, you know, if they work on a lot of these cards around the world, they work. Look, it, this applies to Paddy Pimlet as much as it does for Darren Till. There's a saying that, that it always gets darker before it gets light. Yeah. And um, that will apply. I like that. I like that. I might have to nick that. I'm writing that well, down right now. As we finish off tonight, Addy. But, you, know, <laughs> we, 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 you know, we've had a bit of fun today. and um, But, the, you know, the, the, it's a serious business of people fighting. And, you know, um, people get very hurt when they fight and mentally, emotionally and physically. And obviously Darren's in a difficult place. I mean, I, I, I've followed him really since the Donald Cerrone win back in 2017. And when you think that it's Donald Cerrone and Stephen Thompson who has lost two back-to-back -back victories. I thought he even lost to Stephen Thompson. I was there that night in Liverpool. I thought Thompson won three rounds too. But Tyron Woodley, Jorge Masvidal, the win against Kevin, Kelvin Gastelum, and then losses to Robert Whittaker, Derek Brunson, and um, and, and Derekas de Blessis, obviously, from Blessis from the weekend. So he's fighting the very, very best, the very elite fighters. He needs a bit of time off. You're right. He's not a big middleweight. Middleweights are huge. Middleweights are the equivalent of cruiserweights in boxing, I think. Because um, they're very, very big men, even though there's a 15-pound difference there. The MMA fighters really boil down. They're really big guys. And Darren's not a small guy. Darren's a massive. I've, I've seen him. He's massive. He is. But... But his greatest successes came at welterweight. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's a shame. Um, and and you know, I just think I've said this all along. Colin Heron, his coach, who I who started Cave on in Liverpool, who I'm a huge fan of. I love Colin Heron, known him for many years. Darren maybe needs to go and work in in yes in Sweden, but in a few other places. And you know, and he's only what is he? He's 29. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.